November 24th, 1971, Portland, Oregon. After buying a one-way ticket to Seattle with cash, a man who identified himself as Dan Cooper boarded Northwest Orient Airlines flight number 305. Wearing a suit with a black tie and sunglasses, he sat in the back of the plane, ordered a bourbon and soda, then handed the flight attendant a note letting her know that he had a bomb in his briefcase. He demanded four parachutes and $200,000. After landing in Seattle, he got exactly that and then let the flight's 36 passengers off the plane. He then instructed the crew to take off and fly towards Mexico City. But somewhere between Seattle and Reno, he jumped out of the back of the plane and disappeared, only leaving behind his black tie. The unsolved case of D.B. Cooper was closed in 2016, but our curiosity about this unknown hijacker's real identity lives on. And number one on our list of suspects checks a lot of boxes. weirdos. Welcome to Crime Countdown, a Spotify original from Parcast. I'm Ash. And I'm Elena. Every week we'll highlight 10 fascinating stories of history's most engaging and unsettling crimes, all picked by the Parcast research gods. This episode, we're counting down the top 10 D.B. Cooper theories. See, I always find a lot of D.B. Cooper theories suspect in and of themselves. Sus! Because I just don't know how he survived. Accurate. Not even just the jump, because like, sure, parachutes and whatnot. But like, (laughs) how did he survive in the wilderness after jumping out of a plane while wearing a suit? I just picture him with one of those like, you know, those little like tie bags, like the backpacks. Like he must have had a change of clothes. He had to. He's not surviving with a suit and no tie. No. Yeah. I honestly didn't really know a lot about D.B. Cooper, but reading my half of the list was like so interesting that I'm really now excited to hear your side Me of the too. list. And I think the problem also is that there are too many good suspects in this case. There are. It becomes a little hard to weed anyone out when you really go through it. But I think this list specifically is going to help you do just that because we're going to give it to you straight. Straight no chaser. We're just going to give it to you. Throw it right in your face. Just the facts, ma'am. That's us. Heck yeah, brother. <laughs> well, when I get to number one, I really, I really think everyone might be a little more convinced than they mm. have been. But honestly, who am I to say? Elena's side could be pretty convincing as well. I and think it is. That's how this whole thing works. Elena has five DB suspects and so do I. But neither of us knows who's on the other one's list. Let's start the countdown. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, wherever you get your podcasts. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 10. I'll start us off with number 10, Robert Richard Lepsey. Lepsey was a grocery store manager from Grayling, Michigan, who disappeared on October 29, 1969, a couple of years before D.B. Cooper hijacked the plane. Writer Ross Richardson put Lepsey's name out there as a possibility when he started researching his disappearance and found what he thinks are similarities between the two. So October 29, 1969, Robert Lepsey was working at the grocery store, went on his lunch break, and just never came back. He just like straight up bounced. Oh, that's a really I'm bad out. co-worker. Just dipped. During his break, he called the store and said he was taking the rest of the day off. No one ever saw him or heard from him again, which also, is like very unsettling. You should have asked politely instead of just being like, yeah, I won't be back in. I will not be back. Like, how about, can I have the rest of the day? No, he's just telling them. He's Rude. just taking charge of his life and saying, I'm taking a break. Forever. Not coming back. Taking a, a break for the rest of ever. Apparently, it's really unsettling. So Lepsy's car was found abandoned in an airport parking lot. Unlocked, keys in the ignition. Authorities determined that he left on his own accord, so he was never declared a missing person until 2011, which seems kind of ridiculous. It I don't, does. Like, am I the only one? Whole scene is a little freaky. A little bit. So why does writer Ross Richardson and even Lepsy's family think he could be D.B. Cooper? Because, like, when it's the, when the family's involved, I'm like, uh, hmm? That's yeah. when my ears perk up. I'm like, what? If your family thinks you're D.B. Yeah. Cooper, then like, you whoa. might be D.B. Cooper. <laughs> you could be it. So they say the witness descriptions of D.B. Cooper matches the physical appearance of Robert Richard Lepsey. Though the sketch of D.B. Cooper is sort of basic. Thin, white man, wearing sunglasses and a comb-over hairstyle that you'd see in the 70s. So, like, mm. Yeah, I feel like a lot of people look the same in sunglasses. Yeah, and in, in a sketch like that, you're like, sure, that could look like a lot of people. Yeah. Lepsy's daughter, Lisa, said in 1971, when the sketch of D.B. Cooper was shown on television, the family looked at each other and all agreed it looked like her dad. Oh, man, I'm Which is that wild. family moment. Yeah, that's a real family moment. Is dad D.B.? Is is that dad? Is that father? <laughs> D.B. Coops, is that dad? <laughs> Lepsy also wore a black tie, similar to the one D.B. Cooper left behind on the plane. And they both wore loafers, apparently. Huh. I mean, I've worn loafers. I'm Me not D.B. Cooper. So Lisa Lepsy also claimed in 1993 that men in black suits came to their family home asking if they'd seen her dad and then abruptly left. Concerning. That's, but while that's concerning, I don't know. Counterpoint to Robert Richard Lepsey being D.B. Cooper, there's a theory he embezzled money from work and made a run for it. But the question would be, why? And we don't really have that answer. And who's to say he didn't embezzle more money from the people on the plane exactly. and then jumped off? He just embezzled that money, You need too. a lot of money to jump off of a plane. Now, to me, okay, 
Yeah. Okay. I yeah. Don't, I don't see why not. I mean, his family thinks so, so who am I to say they're wrong? Honestly, that's really the biggest thing here is that his family thinks it is. And then the people showing up in the black suits, like, yeah. hey, is that your dad? Like, that's weird. And then he just left work one day and never came back. That, to me, sounds like someone on the run. And, and his car was in an airport parking lot. I mean, this this is pretty convincing. It's pretty good, and it's only number 10. What are we getting so, into here? What's happening? Nine. At number nine is Ted Mayfield. When you get to know the kind of man Mayfield was, you'll understand why people pointed the finger at him almost from day one when the D.B. Cooper hijacking went down. He is no stranger to the sky, being a trained yet rule-breaking pilot who also ran a skydiving business. Mayfield was not in hiding after the hijacking went down, just living in plain sight. So if he were to turn out to be D.B. Cooper, the big question would be, what was the point? (laughs) Exactly. From the moment Ted Mayfield was given his student pilot certificate in 1967, he was breaking the rules and really the law. (laughs) His student certificate was revoked when he illegally carried a passenger on a flight. It's like when you first get your license and you can't drive people around and you are, but like kind of a bigger deal because it's an aircraft. (laughs) Yeah. You know, everything has to be documented in air travel, big or small. Yes. And I'm okay with that. Me as well. But that didn't stop him from getting his private pilot's license and a commercial pilot's license. Around the same time he was getting his licenses, the 1971 DB Cooper hijacking took place. It's not to say the rebel Mayfield squeezed in a casual hijacking during this time, but he certainly had the arrogance and nerve that it would take to do so. True. He also lost his pilot license because he never disclosed his criminal past, which included armed robbery and stealing an aircraft and flying it across state lines. Oh. It does match the theory that D.B. Cooper had a rap sheet. After losing his license, Mayfield also opened up a skydiving school, but still continued to fly planes without a license. Wow. Literally no Fs given for this man. His field of Fs is barren. He is just living. Yeah. Because of Mayfield's long history of FAA violations and his past crimes, the FBI was all over him when the D.B. Cooper case broke, but they quickly cleared him from the suspect list. Mayfield's daughter is also unconvinced, and she said she called him soon after the D.B. Cooper news broke. He was speaking calmly and sitting at his desk. But also, that was witnesses' descriptions of D.B. Cooper during the hijacking. Calm. For years following D.B. Cooper, Mayfield's behavior has never changed. He was violating FAA rules into his 70s. Oh my god, this guy's... Kind of awesome. (laughs) I know. I'm like, I feel like we're supposed to be mad at him, but I'm kind of not. I can't be. Locals in Oregon pointed the finger at Mayfield a lot, calling him a maverick, high profile Oregon skydiving instructor. (laughs) Wow, what a title. Ted Mayfield passed away in 2015. Aw, see you, Ted. I feel like maybe he just like got a bad rep because he was a rebel. He was just a rebel without a cause, really. And I think he just got thrown on the list. There's really literally nothing else that says that he is db cooper like he is he can fly not convincing to me at all right because also he can fly the plane but he had like the The flight crew crew bring like so not that doesn't make sense yeah no that wasn't the purpose of this no like there's nothing to say he knew how to fly a plane exactly exactly so no no this is a no for to no for me i think this man's just got a bad rep yeah
eight. Number eight on our countdown of D.B. Cooper theories is military vet Joseph S. Lakich. Lakich's military experience comes into play when you try to understand if he could physically and intellectually pull off the hijacking. But it's his emotions that have New Hampshire engineer Bill Rollins saying Lakich is our guy. Rollins claims a personal tragedy and acting on a grudge towards the FBI is what motivated Lakich to become D.B. Cooper. So we have a motive theory, which is interesting. I've been waiting for one of those. I was going to say, you're mad at the FBI? I see it. Yeah, and someone, I was like, someone has to give me a motive here. I need to know what happened. Yeah, exactly. October 4th, 1971, Joseph Lakich's daughter, Susan, was killed when her estranged husband hijacked a private plane. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. The plane landed in Jacksonville, Florida, where the FBI was waiting. But their botched attempt to end the hijacking and hostage situation led to Susan's estranged husband shooting and killing her, the pilot, and ultimately himself. Oh, no. Yeah. Engineer, and I guess amateur detective Bill Rollins, says that this was the triggering event for Joseph Lakich, whose grief turned into a grudge against the FBI. I do not support it, but I I can see that. I could see it. It probably didn't help that a U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that the FBI was in fact negligent in the case and that they had botched negotiations. Oh no. Weeks later in November 1971, Rollins claimed Lakich acted on that grudge to embarrass the FBI and pulled off the now infamous D.B. Cooper hijacking. He, he leveled up if he did. He very much did. Rollins reportedly told the Oregonian, quote, I figured it out because I understood the emotion. No amount of science is going to get you to this man because he didn't leave enough evidence. Fair. One piece of sort of evidence that Rollins leans on is from an interview with one of the flight attendants. That flight attendant told federal agents that she asked D.B. Cooper if he had a grudge against the airline. He allegedly responded, quote, I don't have a grudge against your airline. I just have a grudge. Okay, he had a grudge. He had a grudge. And that would be the grudge. That's a grudge. Like others on this list, Lakich's appearance is similar to witness accounts of D.B. Cooper. Isn't everybody's appearance I similar? I feel like everybody is. <laughs> like, I think John might look like D.B. Cooper. I think I might look like D.B. Cooper. I think, who knows? I think my dog might. I'm not real <laughs> sure. I think everybody does. Put sunglasses on that puggle. Exactly. Rollins also believes Lakich's military experience could have given him an advantage. Mm-hmm. And Lakich had worked at Nashville Electronics. The tie D.B. Cooper left behind allegedly had on it 100,000 particles of, according to the New York Post, rare earth elements, including pure titanium. Apparently, the pure titanium would point back to an engineer type of work in a manufacturing type setting, like electronics. Okay, I am full blown here for this one. I'm going to be honest, in the beginning, I was like, no, I don't know. I don't as, buy as this soon as you thing. started getting more into it, and especially with that last thing, it's the, it's fitting a little bit. I like it. It's fitting a little. You could make it fit. I mean, I know you have more though. We have more. Seven. At number seven this week is U.S. Army and Air Force veteran William Gossett. Like Joseph Lakich at number six, Gossett has the military training to back up the suspicions, but it doesn't stop there. Gossett's sons say that not only did he confess to them that he was D.B. Cooper, 
but a Canadian connection, which pops up in some D.B. Cooper theories, is very strong in the story of William Gossett. Bring it to me. I love Canadians. Right? Here we go. According to Vice, the connection to Canada and D.B. Cooper comes up quite a bit, including that he either worked or lived there. There are also rumors that the ransom money was stashed in a Vancouver bank. But counterpoint. In 1980, almost $6,000 of the ransom money was found on the banks of the Columbia River in Vancouver, Washington. Maybe some over time have crossed their Vancouver locations, like a bad game of telephone. Yeah. But a newspaper in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, did receive a letter, allegedly from D.B. Cooper, that complained about the police sketch not being accurate. (laughs) I would love that. That's hilarious. In 2011, another amateur D.B. Cooper sleuth said one of William Gossett's sons showed him a key to a safe deposit box in a Vancouver bank. The story is that the son traveled with his dad to Vancouver in 1973, two years after the hijacking. His dad left him in the hotel room for a couple hours, came back, and they immediately traveled back to the U.S. Wow, that's not a fun trip. I'd be like, Dad, can we at least get some bacon? Just have dinner? Can we do anything? Can we see a hockey game? Can I see a moose? Like, can we just... (laughs) Can I see a moose? (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Can we do anything, Dad? Now, as we mentioned, William Gossett also had military experience and wilderness survival training, the latter being a big deal because of the area where he jumped out of the plane. And to top it off, Gossett allegedly showed his sons the D.B. Cooper police sketch and admitted that it was him. That's pretty big. The Gossett son said their dad forbade them from telling anyone until he died. Hmm. I, you know, I'm okay. Okay. Um, that's interesting. It would be a fun story for you to tell at parties if that was your dad. For sure. I think it might be something that you can say when someone's no longer there to back it up. Yes. That is kind of a little suspicious. This one for me is just, it ain't it. This one's a no for me. It's a no for me, dog. It's a no for me, but good try. Six. Also on our list at number six is Dwayne Weber. Just before Weber died in 1995, he was battling kidney disease in a Florida hospital. His wife, Joe, claims her husband asked her to get closer to his bed. He had something to tell her. When she got right up to his face, Joe claims Dwayne said, I'm Dan Cooper. Whoa. At that moment, she didn't know what he meant, but she put some pieces together after he passed away and became 100% convinced they all pointed to the fact that her husband, Dwayne, was D.B. Cooper. He's got the first initial. It would be fun to say. <laughs> Again, It exactly. would be fun later to say, like, you know, my, hus- my late husband, D.B. Coops, you know. Yeah, casual. You know the story, that's him. So a deathbed confession isn't solid evidence, as we have seen, but Joe says the clues she put together about her husband give more credence to his big reveal. She says her husband complained about knee pain, saying it was from jumping out of a plane. Wow. Dwayne also apparently had a nightmare where he talked in his sleep. She says he was worried about, quote, leaving prints on a plane. Uh, Okay, compelling. There was also a library book she found on D.B. Cooper, and her husband's name was written in the margins. It's really weird. He's just like, he took out the book and he's like, my name, my name, my name. Dwayne. Dwayne, 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 Dwayne. (laughs) What? CBS News also reports Joe saying, quote, 
why would he have an old Northwest airline ticket? Why would he take me to a place where eventually the money was found? Why all of this? There's too many pieces of the puzzle that fit. Oh, okay. We need more info from Joe. Joe, what's that, up? Was that Northwest airline ticket for flight 305? Maybe your husband was just a D.B. Cooper stan. He, I don't he like... does kind of sound like Sounds one. like he just really digs him and he really just like wanted to pretend to be him, but I don't know. I, I don't know, man. An FBI agent who worked the D.B. Cooper case said Dwayne Weber did have some physical similarities and that Joe's clues may have some credibility. One of the physical similarities is the hair. Details in one confidential FBI file say a witness on the plane described D.B. Cooper's hair as... Wavy. Ooh. Which to me is not like a very specific thing. I feel like like a lot of men have wavy hair. A lot of men have wavy hair. I feel like a lot of everybody (laughs) has wavy hair. Like I feel like wavy was just like it wasn't pin straight. That's all. Like I have wavy hair. Yeah. You have wavy hair. Exactly. This witness was never interviewed by the sketch artist, which would explain why the sketch had D.B. Cooper with straight hair. Oh, messed up. Not right. I don't know. I don't know. A counterpoint to Dwayne Weber being D.B. Cooper is partial DNA found on D.B. Cooper's tie in 2007 was compared to Dwayne Weber's, and it ruled Dwayne out. Aw, bummer. But the DNA on the tie was minimal. Aw, hope. This is a no. (laughs) This is a no for no. No. You know what? Okay, for you, it's a no. For me, it's a... uh, For me, it's Joe. I love you. (laughs) I, I want you to keep telling. That, that's why it's a... Yeah, it's a, I love how Joe feels about it. Joe, keep... Tell it at parties. Tell people that your late husband is D.B. Cooper. I support that. The thing is, if he wasn't, and that's what he spent his last breath saying to her, and later in life she found out that he wasn't, I would be so T.O.'d. Yeah, that would be rough. But, you know, you know, I, it's a no for me. These are like a lot of files. These are a lot of files. These are a lot of fun. I love that we're just comparing each and every one of them to like our standards of like, yes. is it DB? Like is we know DB? anything. Like I'm an expert on the DB Cooper case here. So we're like, oh, oh, compel. No, 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 no. I'm like, I've I've read a couple of articles, so I think <laughs> I think I'm cool to say whether this is real or not. FBI, stand aside. I'm like, I read my side of the list, and <laughs> I'm here to tell you everything. <laughs> That's a no. <laughs> but some of them are pretty compelling. There, I feel like everybody just wants to be DB. I mean, I do. I want to be D.B. Cooper. I wish I could say I was. Don't say it as your last breath, I Maybe guess. Maybe I will. Just tell Pull everybody John I was D.B. Pull John close and tell him I'm D.B. Well, I'm excited to see some even more compelling ones, because if those are just the the, the first five, right? What what's happening? Are you going to give me one that I'm going to be like, oh, we found D.B. Cooper? Maybe. I I feel pretty convinced that when we get to the end of this list, you're going to you're going to be on my side of things. I'm ready to hear it. Let's go. Pirates. For centuries, the world has been fascinated by them. In films like Pirates of the Caribbean, they're portrayed as swaggering anti-heroes. In books like Treasure Island, they're fearsome villains. But who were they really? That's the question that Real Pirates, the new Spotify original from Parcast, answers. The whole thing about a pirate ship is that they were heavily manned. But you could have 100 pirates on board, so these are floating violence factories. At the same time, pirates were really fascinating characters in a way. 
If you were born poor, you stayed poor. Pirates, on the other hand, they were able to transcend that social boundary. They didn't see themselves just as thieves and brigands. They saw themselves as social revolutionaries. Set sail under the black flag alongside notorious outlaws like Blackbeard, Charles Vane, Anne Bonny, and Mary Reed. Join us for episodes airing weekly starting November 15th. Follow and listen to Real Pirates for free on Spotify. Canva presents stories to keep you up at night. It was an ordinary work day until... The Singapore presentation is at 3 a.m. The office was shocked. (laughs) That's when we sleep. Maya made it less scary with Canva. (laughs) I'll just record my presentation so Singapore can watch it anytime. Record and present anytime with Canva presentations at canva.com. Designed for work. Five. All right, let's jump back in with number five on our countdown of D.B. Cooper theories. Starting off the second half of our list is John List. Just 15 days before D.B. Cooper hijacked Northwest Airlines Flight 305, John List murdered his wife, mother, and three children in their New Jersey home. John List then disappeared. It would be another month until police discovered the bodies, and another 18 years until they found John List. What connects him to being D.B. Cooper isn't just his appearance and the timing of it all, it's the money. I don't want him to be D.B. Cooper. No, this really just brought this list to a really dark place. Yeah, I don't want him to be D.B. Cooper. No, me either. On November 9th, 1971, this is the day authorities believe John List killed his family and then disappeared. When police found the crime scene about a month later, they found a note from List to his church pastor that said he'd seen too much evil and shot his family to save their souls. List had trouble holding a job and was stealing from his mother's bank account. One FBI agent who worked the D.B. Cooper case said List had spent the last $200,000 from his mother's savings account before the killings. Hmm. Interesting. That's a familiar figure. Yes, because November 24th, 1971, D.B. Cooper hijacked Flight 305 and demanded a ransom of $200,000. Huh. So, like, weird... Definitely like, wow, on the nose there, but also that is a sum of money. And and it's a pretty roundabout, like a rounded sum of money. Right. Like it's not like it's like $247,000 and 52 cents. Yeah. Then I'd be like, all right. And also he had already killed his entire family and now he needs that money back. Like, yeah, I don't know. But let's keep going. John List did become a suspect in the D.B. Cooper case. Again, even though many in the FBI say whoever he is died after parachuting out of the plane. May 21st, 1989, 18 years after D.B. Cooper, America's Most Wanted ran the story about the List family murders. After receiving a tip because of that episode in June of 1989, John List was found living a whole new life in Richmond, Virginia. Wild. He was remarried, but had not changed his appearance or profession in all of those years. Like, arrogant much? Yeah, and he got away with it for how long? A long time. He had been living under a different name, which was Robert Clark. List was convicted of the murders and died in prison in 2008. His former sister-in-law says she does not believe John List is D.B. Cooper. She's been reported as saying, quote, I know it sounds crazy because he did kill his family, but the man I know as Johnny List would have been afraid to jump out of an elevator. 
Sounds about right. I love that she was like, he's a pansy, so probably yeah, not. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I don't... Because really the only thing we have here... Is the, uh, is the, the money, money is the same? And like maybe he kind of looks like him, I guess. But, in the but again, everybody looks like him, so I'm, I'm really not using that as like a barometer here. Right, and like I said earlier, the money wouldn't matter because he had already killed his mother. Yeah, so why would you be like, like replenishing? It back? Right. Like it doesn't... No. But the timing does work out, if anything else, makes for a good conspiracy theory. It does. It's a no for me. That is a hard no for me. Four. Landing at number four this week is Richard Floyd McCoy Jr. If we're to believe that McCoy is D.B. Cooper, then we're saying that since he got away with one hijacking, the one attributed to Cooper, he then decided to try it again, and this time for more money. If it was him both times, the second hijacking actually led to his arrest and eventual death. Or something to consider, do we have a copycat on our hands? April 7th, 1972, about a year after the D.B. Cooper hijacking, Richard McCoy Jr. boarded United Airlines Flight 855 from Newark to Los Angeles, allegedly armed with a pistol and a hand grenade. Oh, just those. Those right. are things you shouldn't take with you on a plane. Just a quick tip. Those are things you shouldn't take with you anywhere. <laughs> Pretty much. Not no. on a quick trip to yeah. Target, not on a plane, not on a walk. Definitely not in the friendly skies. You don't want <laughs> no, to do that. Not in the air. So approximately 20 minutes after takeoff, McCoy gave a flight attendant an envelope with quote unquote hijack instructions to give to the pilot. How organized. Yeah. Also inside the envelope was the pin to the grenade he was holding, which is terrifying. Yeah, that's, that's not okay. That's a scary move. To put the pin in there and be like, mm, uh, already ready to go. Yeah, that's really scary. So the so-called hijack instructions included telling the pilots to land at San Francisco International Airport, a ransom demand of $500,000 in cash, and four parachutes. I don't know if you remember, but that's the same amount of parachutes as D.B. Cooper requested. I was gonna say that. Are we talking about just a stan or are we talking about... The same guy. I feel like this is like too similar. Like, it I is. feel like this is a Ston. Like, even DB would switch it up. Yeah, like DB would <laughs> be like, okay, be never the same thing twice with DB. Yeah. He'd be like, you know what? Six parachutes today. How do you like those apples? Let's up this ante a little bit. To keep everyone safe, the crew complied with his requests. They landed in San Fran. McCoy let all the passengers go, but kept the crew. Same as DB. Maybe he took notes. Very familiar. He then gave the pilot new instructions, which said to fly up to 16,000 feet at 200 miles per hour towards a direction that would take them over Provo, Utah. Mm -hmm. Sounds fun. Once, <laughs> sounds like a great sounds time. Awesome. Once they were in that area, McCoy parachuted right out of that plane. McCoy was sentenced to 45 years in prison, but he broke out and was killed in a shootout with the FBI. Oh. Like, Oof. whoa. Just, like, really? Just, like, hype from start to finish. Yeah, it's insane. Now, the similarities to D.B. Cooper. The appearance, of course. Because, because remember, everyone. I look like D.B. Cooper. We all look like D.B. Cooper. Both were also pretty calm with their demeanors and used notes to communicate. Mm -hmm. Which... 
That's like a very similar sure. hijacking situation, I feel. Yeah, I mean, when you think about it, you could go both ways. It's like if somebody is really willing to go this far so far, sure, they might be calm. Right. Like that might just be like they're already here. Like, and we they clearly well. already like orchestrated this whole thing. Yeah. But on the other side of that, you could say, is it DB Cooper? I don't know. He was calm. No. That was one thing a lot of people said was he was really calm. DB was the chillest ever. And the notes make sense because you're not going to get everybody all riled up. You yeah, want exactly. that note to get to the pilot. Now, both started with a bomb on board warning. That's terrifying. They gave specific instructions, money demand. There were four parachutes requested by both. They both landed and let the passengers off. Both took off and flew at a very specific height and then jumped out the rear door. I do think it's weird that they both requested that a specific height. Yeah. I mean, that's weird. But we have to wonder if that was like released to the public that DB did that. Exactly. And it's like, if they were gonna parachute out of it, maybe yeah. you probably need a specific height. You probably can't go over a Oh yeah, height. that's. Pro- I didn't even think of so that. So if your idea is I'm gonna sh- parachute out of the back of this. Can you crank you gotta it up be like, to thousands? Don't, don't go too high, because yeah. then I can't get off. Right. So maybe that's it. The LA Times also reported that both Richard McCoy Jr. and D.B. Cooper used the same phrase in their notes, quote, no funny stuff. I also feel like that's like very of the times. I, yeah, I feel like that's no just funny like, stuff. He watched some crime movies and was like, no funny stuff, see? No like, funny business, <laughs> yeah. yay, my guy. You know, it makes sense. I, I think it does. It's, it's, I think you, I agree, it's of the time. Plus, both hijackings happened while Brigham Young University was on vacation. That's where McCoy was studying to become a police officer. Well, then that just makes sense because he was on break Break from school. (laughs) So, But it's also like if he was going there, he would have that same break both times. That is true. Weird that he wasn't in school when this was both of these happened. That is true. I'm just saying. And it was a year later. So like if it was DB, maybe he just waited a year for a thrill. He was just doing his annual hijacking and parachuting. On vacation from school. What else am I going to do? Yeah. Every year the same flowers bloom and he jumps out of a plane. And I hijack a plane. That's exactly. (laughs) DB, get a new hobby. I don't know. Three. Number three on our countdown of D.B. Cooper theories is Lynn Doyle Cooper, known to his family as just L.D. L.D.? In 2011, L.D.'s niece, Marla Cooper, made her claim public that she believes her uncle is D.B. Cooper, and that while L.D. is the one who did the hijacking, other people in the family knew what was going on, including her own father. It's like a whole family cover-up. It all stemmed from one major memory of Thanksgiving in 1971, when her uncle LD showed up bloodied and bruised. Hmm. Like, not the typical way to show up to Thanksgiving. (laughs) I was going to say weird Thanksgiving attire choice, but okay. What is happening, uncle? Now, Marla says she remembers that on that Thanksgiving in 1971, her two uncles, LD and his brother Dewey, were up to something shady. She told ABC News, quote, My two uncles, who I only saw at holiday time, were planning something very mischievous. I was watching them using some very expensive walkie-talkies that they had purchased. They left to supposedly go turkey hunting, and Thanksgiving morning, I was waiting for them to return. And when they did return, Marla said LD was not in great shape. His white t-shirt was bloodied, and he was bruised and just a whole hot mess. 
That's strange. Very weird. That's strange. Like, we're going to go turkey hunting, and then we're going to get assaulted by the turkeys. I'd be like, are you a turkey, though? What's you happening? Okay? <laughs> now, Marla said her Uncle Dewey told her to stop crying <laughs> at the sight of LD and go get her dad. Well, that's just, that's just bad. It's just, like, of course she's upset. She loves you and you're bruised and bloodied. Yeah, that's just a bad adulting. Yeah, I'd be like, thank you for being so concerned about me, sweetie. Can like, you go get your dad? Don't be like, stop crying at the sight of me bleeding. But also, if you're capable of hijacking a plane, you're probably also capable of, like, yelling at your niece. Of being kind of a turd. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Marla then says she overheard her uncle say, we did it. Our money problems are over. We hijacked an airplane. <laughs> A pretty damning statement to hear. Which you would think that, like, if he's saying that and this just happened, I'd be like, why are you repeating what we just did? Like, I know. Yeah. We hijacked an airplane. I'd be like, I know, I was there. Well, maybe she he's, like, telling, like, her, like, Marla's dad. But, like, who, why is he telling all these but people? But also, like, shh. Like, just, <sighs> like, use code. Just, yeah, like, we, we went to Wendy's and got a four for four. Doesn't they, that make you so happy? The crow flew at midnight. I like mine better. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) But when it came to the money, ABC News says it wasn't found, that it was mostly lost during the jump. Marla believes her uncles wanted to go find it, but her dad refused out of the fear that the FBI was closing in on the area already. That's a very founded fear. (laughs) Yes, like good on your dad. (laughs) So were their money problems solved? This kind of seems to be a hole in the story. If money was the motivation, was LD capable of being a hijacker? Though desperate times did call for desperate measures. I don't know. But LD worked as an engineering surveyor. He knew the jump zone well, and Dewey worked at Boeing around the same time as the hijacking. Some insider info from both of them. Definitely interesting. LD was also a war vet, which the FBI assumed the hijacker had military experience. Right. So, like, they've got that financial motivation. They know about the jump zone. He's got military experience. I think he's he looking seems, like a good sus. I was going to say, he doesn't seem bad right now. I think it fits a little bit. I think it's a pretty promising lead. And guess what? So did the FBI. Oh. But the DNA testing didn't really prove to be a match between LD Cooper and DB Cooper. Uh, but at the same time... Yeah. I'm not sure because like how much DNA was really left behind, what kind of DNA was it? Because you really have to think about that. That's the thing. You know, some are like better to to use in these situations than others. Because it does make sense to me if they were planning to go back to that jump zone probably to find the money Mm -hmm. that he would think his money problems were over and he'd be like, we're going to go find that. Right. And the DNA thing, it's like obviously DNA is usually like the smoking gun. But I don't know. We don't know anything about this DNA. Yeah. Like you said, we don't know how it was collected, tested, stored, anything. Exactly. How it was tested against this guy's. I don't know. I'm not sure. Now, there was an FBI agent who was quoted about the DNA sample from D.B. Cooper's tie saying, it's not a very good sample. Well, there you go. It's not a very good sample. All right. The FBI heard me and they put this into the counter. They were like, it it wasn't a good sample. They were like, by the way. Hey, I heard you were inquiring. It's not a good sample. Not great. Thank you, FBI agent listening. (laughs) The FBI guy in my phone. Thanks a lot. Now, Marla's mother, Grace, also believes that LD was D.B. Cooper. She said that any time the topic was brought up, the combo was quickly changed. Yeah, and why would that happen? Yeah, like, you're guilty. Who doesn't want to talk about D.B. Cooper? Unless you're D.B. Cooper. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Hello. Marla also said she saw LD a couple times after that weird Thanksgiving, but he essentially just disappeared after that. Hmm. She told ABC News, I definitely think it was strange that he kind of disappeared like that. I don't think he was evil, and I think he regretted it. 
LD died in 1999. So we don't know if he was DB. It he took it with him. I think so far, he might be the best one on the list. He looks good. He does. Yeah, dude, the last one so far for me was like one of the most compelling. LD, DB. I mean, I'm, I'm, and like, I'm feeling it. Dewey. Dewey. <laughs> you know, you know? Just him as well. This Dewey, like, in Scream. Yeah, I mean, that does not at all connect to this, but like, I just wanted to say Dewey but again. But Dewey, you know? really? <laughs> no, I think that's definitely a good one, I would say. Because everyone else, I'm kind of like, ooh. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, you know, Floyd McCoy, or Richard Floyd McCoy Jr., I'm like, yeah, I guess. Like, yeah. I could, I'm not going to rule him out, but... But, like, I'm, I'm not totally convinced. Yeah, that one didn't strike me as hard as LD. LD struck hard, but... So I wonder if we can beat LD. Because there is two left on the list. There is, and I can't wait to say mine. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use Gift Mode on Etsy. Gift Mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click Gift Mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. Two. We're down to the final two spots on our countdown of D.B. Cooper theories. At number two is Barbara Dayton. In the aftermath of the hijacking, witness statements all referred to D.B. Cooper as a man. But as we theorized with the Jack the Ripper case, what if it's been a woman all along? Ooh. The twist. Barbara Dayton is a trans woman who began gender affirming surgery in 1969. Leading up to the hijacking two years later, Barbara was allegedly lonely, depressed, and fighting all sorts of financial hardships. After the hijacking, doctors said she seemed oddly very carefree. Hmm. Mm -hmm. That is interesting. At 18, Barb Dayton wanted to join the Air Force, but an eye condition kept her from that dream. Oh. But she still enjoyed flying and took flying lessons. But she could never pass the written test to get her commercial license. She also learned how to skydive, which, okay, Barb. Like, get it, girl. You just want to join the Air Force? Amazing. Right? You just learn how to fly? Okay. Heck yes. And, and then you're, you're like, Let's skydive while we're at it. Let's just dive out of a plane real quick. Let's just do it. So right away, we have flying and skydiving experience. Check, check. Barb always held odd jobs, but money was always hard to come by. 
It's reported that she always joked that she needed to rob a bank. <laughs> or an airplane. Which haven't we all j- just joked about that once? Or like, been like, oh my god, let's just rob a bank. All the time. Yeah, you know, every day. I'm always saying that. <laughs> Throughout all of this, Barb said she always felt like she was a woman trapped in a man's body. Oh, that's so sad. I know. In 1969, she went to Seattle's University Hospital to have gender-affirming surgery. Hell to the yeah. During follow-up visits just weeks before the D.B. Cooper hijacking, doctors noted how depressed Barbara seemed. Lack of money was one of the biggest factors as her welfare was about to end. So we have a financial motivation here. Mm-hmm. But a couple weeks after the D.B. Cooper incident, Barbara's mood changed. Doctors called her, quote, strangely unworried. They're like, what has gone on here? <laughs> she was worried and now she's not. That's Game weird. Game changer. In 1977, married couple Ron and Pat Foreman met Barbara at an airfield. The trio struck up a friendship based on their love of flying and spent a lot of time together. Adorable. Loves it. Over that time, Barbara revealed her surgery to the couple and then admitted that she was actually D.B. Cooper. Oh. Yeah. She was just like, hey, by the way. I I feel like I should let you guys know that um, that I'm D.B. Cooper. I don't... Do you Does think, that change our friendship? Do you think DB would have said, hey, I'm DB? Or do you think like in the last one, he would have been like, ooh, like I don't want to talk about it? I don't know. Because we don't know anything about DB Cooper. I know. He seems pretty flashy. He was wearing a suit jumping out of a plane. And so sunglasses. It seems pretty flashy to me. You're and it doesn't wrong. look like she was like, you know, ah, oh, I'm DB. She I was just like, let me let you in on something. She seems like she was like, you know what? I feel like I'm kind of connecting with you guys. Maybe she had to get it off her chest. Yeah, I mean, to not tell anybody for you know? that long. Well, she gave details of how she dressed up like a man, used shoe polish to make her hair darker, and made a fake bomb. I love that she was like, you know what? It's not even a real one. It's fake. Exactly. So these are very detailed stories. And that's either because she knew the truth, Mm -hmm. because she was D.B. Cooper. Right. Or was she just trying to impress with some like tall tales here? But like, do you think people would be like impressed by DB Cooper or like a little bit scared? I'd be a little like, oh, yeah, like (laughs) taken aback at least. Oh, you're DB Cooper. That's wild. Now, Barb claims after she jumped from the plane, she stashed the money, put on a wig, and made her way home. Easy peasy lemon squeezy. Bada bing, bada boom. Here we go, Barb. There is also some resemblance between pictures of Barb prior to transitioning compared to the DB Cooper sketch. Again. Same. Yeah. <laughs> so Didn't we say earlier that like Bubba looks like DB Cooper. Literally, like that, you know, that chair over there looks like DB Cooper. We could say everybody. That's so funny. I almost said earlier, like that phone charger looks like DB. <laughs> everybody looks like DB Cooper. Barbara died in 2002 due to pulmonary disease after smoking her whole life, unfortunately. Aww. She sounded like a, a hot a cool ticket. lady. The Foremans are convinced by her stories that she was D.B. Cooper. So they spent a lot of time with her and became friends with her. Right. And still think she's D.B. Cooper. Author Jeff Gray, who's written extensively about the D.B. Cooper case, said of Barb, quote, I can't prove she was Cooper. I can't prove she wasn't. I feel like that about every single person on this list almost. But like Barb. Barb is a convincing gal. Even if Barb is not D.B. Cooper, I love still her. fascinating and sounds awesome. Yeah, sounds, like I said, like a hot ticket. I would have wanted to hang out with her at an airfield. I would have. talk about planes. I know nothing about them, but tell me about them, Barb. 
take me skydiving yesterday. Don't take me skydiving. Stay on the ground with me, but talk about the sky. <laughs> like, to let me know. Barb would have made you into a, a flying gal. I don't think so, but like... If anybody was going to do it. <laughs> Barb was going to do it. Could be Barb. I think... I, I'm not counting out Barb. She was fascinating. I think she sounds awesome and she could have been DB. I think you're not wrong. I don't know. I'm team Barb right now. Team Barb all the way. One. And that brings us to number one on our countdown of the top 10 D.B. Cooper theories, Robert Rackstraw. Rackstraw died in 2016 after a lifetime of being considered the real D.B. Cooper. Like, just imagine that. Wow, what the, a life. I know. The FBI investigated him, but ruled him out on what could be considered a minor technicality. He was also the major focus of a 2016 documentary about D.B. Cooper. And it didn't help that Rackstraw once admitted to being D.B. Cooper, before alluding to the fact that he was just joking. It all could be that he enjoyed the attention and leading people on. Or could it? Who was Robert Rackstraw? Who was he? I was wondering. He was born in Ohio in the 40s. He dropped out of high school and joined the U.S. Army. By the late 1960s and into 1970, he was a well-respected and decorated paratrooper during the Vietnam War. Oh, just that. Hello, expert parachuting experience. There it is. His Vietnam tour of duty ended in 1970, and he was sent packing from the military after too many problems with misconduct. Hello, troublemaker. DB. DB. And his ability to get into trouble didn't end there. He once piloted planes in Iran where the U.S. accused him of stealing dynamite. Just, oh, okay. Just the casual crime of stealing <laughs> dynamite. I was going to say, how casual? Like, oh, I just borrowed some. Whoops, That's stole all. this dynamite. And in 1978, he was charged with the murder of his stepfather, but eventually he was acquitted. Wow, there's a lot squeezed into... A, a short amount of time. Of time it's here. Like Rockstraw was wild and out. Really busy. And on top of all of that, he also attempted to fake his own death. Yeah, because he had the time, apparently. A, a lot of time. How? I don't know. I know, me either. He was found in Fullerton, California, and charged with several crimes and abruptly sent to prison. Wow. The deputy district attorney in the case said that Rockstraw was, quote, a hell of a con man. You'd buy a used car from him every time. Man. So he's convincing. And in 1980, he was released from Folsom State Prison. Needless to say, he had the wild background that would be necessary to jump out of a plane during a storm after hijacking said plane. That's true. But a lot of people do. That is true. Now, here's more, though, of why he was a suspect. There's a lot of little details that separately could be written off, but collectively, they do make him a good suspect. He spent time in Oregon, maybe familiar with the area. He had the military background and criminal record that the FBI used in their profile of D.B. Cooper. He specifically had excellent paratrooping skills, so no fear in jumping in bad conditions. And Rackstraw himself fueled the rumors. Hmm. Before he went to prison for two years from charges related to faking his death, he called a television station to announce that he was D.B. Cooper. And that became a nationwide story. But like... Did he just need to get something off his chest or was he just in need of a lot of attention? And that's the thing. And like we were saying, would D.B. Cooper call a radio station to say it? We don't know. Right. You were it's saying he was things. flashy. He was flashy, though. But like, 
I don't know, if I was DB, I'd keep that under wraps. But like, I also probably wouldn't jump out of a plane wearing a suit. I probably wouldn't either. So I don't think our logic is going to work here. I don't think we can get into the so brain. Maybe. But maybe. After being investigated by the FBI, a reporter asked him if he was the hijacker. Rackstraw replied, quote, I wouldn't discount myself. I love that. So just like very vague. I love that. The vaguest. I wouldn't discount myself. Like, that's not a yes. That's not a no. It's, it's a middle. It's a maybe. Yeah. Though he later claimed he was messing with the reporter and that he was not D.B. Cooper. Hmm. It was kind of like a, ooh, I'm D.B. Ooh. Oh, no, I'm not. Oh, I like oh, it. I could be D.B. Never mind. <laughs> I don't know. I think he's like a little bit annoying. Yeah, I don't. To me, he seems like he just likes this guy likes the attention. Yeah, he likes to like play around with people and, not and mess like, with them. Yeah, not in a I'm genuinely D.B. Cooper kind of way. I think it's just like I am bored. Yeah. And I, I like to make trouble. I like to get attention in negative ways sometimes. Yeah. That's what it seems to me. Earlier in the countdown, I was like really excited for this one. I was like, it could be him. And then the more and more we got through the countdown, I was like, all right, well, my number one isn't as convincing. Yeah. But you know, whatever. I'm still team Barb. There's more. Uh, Hey, I'm I'm ready for it. So in 2011, an LA-based filmmaker started a deep investigation into the D.B. Cooper case. Dozens of retired FBI agents and private detectives were hired to help dig through the details, especially whether Robert Rackstraw was in fact D.B. Cooper. This filmmaker even offered Rackstraw $20,000 for the rights to his life, but he didn't take it out of fear that admitting he was D.B. Cooper would get him charged for the crime. Hmm. Why are you all of a sudden afraid of that? Because you've said it before. Because it's like, wait a second. You've been going around, you called a radio station and literally said, I'm D.B. Cooper. Right. So, like... Honey, that that excuse doesn't work. And like now somebody's offering you twenty thousand dollars, and you're like, no, 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 no. no. I can't. What what could it be? Admit that? DB? No, No, absolutely not. No. Now in 2016, the History Channel produced a documentary about this filmmaker's efforts to solve the case. The filmmaker's lawyer gave a quote to the Washington Post about Rockstraw when it came to a confession. Quote, he would always sort of go up to the line and sometimes cross it as far as admitting he was D.B. Cooper, and then he would just joke about it. Like, I don't know. It's just like a very frustrating individual. He really is, because I just can't put my finger on whether that makes sense for someone to do, if yeah. they really were that person. Well, I feel like the FBI didn't think so either, because like I said, he was ruled out. Ah. The FBI did investigate him closer to when the hijacking took place, and like I said, ruled him out because of his age. All right. Witness testimony said D.B. Cooper was between 35 and 45 years old. Rackstraw was 28 when the hijacking took place. Maybe he's just like a rough 28. Because that's the thing. He's lived a lot of life. And also, like, I have no idea how old anybody is. Like, if I saw you on the street and I didn't know you, I'd be like, oh, she's 16. (laughs) Or like, but you could be like 42. Yeah, I'm terrible with that. I'm not good at that. And again, he's lived a lot of life. He's lived a lot of life. And, you know, I know they ruled him out. But he did have, he checked off a lot of the boxes. He did. He really did. But then at the same time, I feel like he was just like a little too much. I don't know. It was that a little too heavy-handed. It doesn't strike me with the force that Barbara did. <laughs> Barb really like took the show. I'm like honest. I'm Barb. Bar- team Barb. Team Barb. For all the and all's. Yeah, I'm still Team Barb. Robert Rackstraw is not a bad suspect. And He's the definitely fact not. that the FBI spent like a lot of time on him, yeah, it, it does make him it a good number It gives me a one. little like, hmm. 
I'm, I'm interested. Gives pause. But at this point, I'm like, I don't know if any of these people are D.B. Cooper. I don't think D.B. Cooper was even D.B. Cooper. I don't I don't know if no one on this list was D.B. Cooper or everyone on this list is D.B. Cooper. Collectively, they were all D.B. Cooper at different times in parallel universes. There I, you go. Solved think, the case. Yeah, I don't know. I think my husband might be D.B. Cooper. Well, don't make that allegation. I'm just saying. Publicly. I, I'm just saying. And Who FBI knows? is about to knock on your door. I think you're D.B. Cooper. <laughs> don't get the FBI <laughs> on my door, sister. I can't. Honestly, I can't think of any they left off because Except I didn't for me even and know John. about these people. Just Yeah, just Ash and John, I think, <laughs> are the only two I think you guys missed. Thanks a lot. <laughs> well, thank you for listening. We'll be back next week with another great episode. Remember to follow Crime Countdown on Spotify to get a brand new episode delivered every week. You can find all episodes of Crime Countdown and all other podcast shows for free on Spotify. And if you like this show, follow at Parcast on Facebook and Instagram and at Parcast Network on Twitter. And if you like us, which I hope you do because you made it this far with all the DB talk, but you can follow our other podcast, Morbid. Everywhere you listen to podcasts, follow us on Instagram at Morbid Podcast or on Twitter at A Morbid Podcast. And we hope you keep it weird until Monday and stay away from those parachutes. Crime Countdown is executive produced by Max Cutler and is a Spotify original from Parcast. It was created by Max Cutler. Sound design by Kristen Acevedo with associate sound design by Anthony Valsic. Fact-checking by Haley Milliken. Research by J.K. Heo. It's produced by John Cohen, Kristen Acevedo, and Jonathan Ratliff. With production assistance by Ron Shapiro. We're your hosts, Ash Kelly and Elena Urquhart. Pirates. For centuries, the world has been fascinated by them. Blackbeard, Charles Vane, and Bonnie. Who were they really? Real Pirates is a new Spotify original from Parcast. Join us starting November 15th as we bring the true story of pirates to life.